You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. My first point is Chandler is here. Chandler has just been a godsend for us in the teen ministry. And I wanted him, this is his second to last week, so next week he's leaving. And I wanted to give him an opportunity to say goodbye to the teens and to everybody. And Chandler's homegrown. He's one of ours. And that's a big deal. And that's a big deal. When Chandler was going through the teen ministry, the church was not at its healthiest. I don't think I need to say any more than that. And uh, he's come back, and I think he's had a great experience. And I think that should give us all a lot of courage and um and a lot of inspiration. So I want Chandler to uh, give him an opportunity to say goodbye. It's been a blast having you, though, I want to say. And you've become a bit of a son to me. And I've just absolutely loved how you've given your heart to the teenagers and to me and uh, to the whole church. And it's just been an absolute joy, just an absolute joy to have you. I wish I had five more of you. <laughs> He's a little taller than me. Um, yeah, well, it has been fun. Um, you got to bear with me. Uh, I ate pasta at 1.30 this morning. Not good. Um, so I just want to say, um, this summer, honestly, has been a, it's been a blast, honestly. Um, the team ministry here in the West Side has a special place in my heart because I am from, I grew up in this ministry. I went through it. It shaped me to be who I am today, even though I'm still growing, but, um, yeah, but it's um, the team ministry has honestly created such great memories. I've been able to make some of the best friends I have to this day. Um, I was baptized in the team ministry in 10th grade at Culver City High School. Shout out. Um, but uh, it was a blessing to be able to come back and just give back to the teens and just show how much I really appreciate all it's done for me. And so this summer... It's been awesome. I've been able to build friendships with a lot of the teens. Um, see Ariana, Bailey, Anthony, and Alexis get baptized. That was awesome. And take them to and from events, and then ultimately just buy them food when they were hungry. And dish them when they went to Six Flags. That was Love you guys. Um, but I just wanted to say to the teens, thank you guys. I think what I've learned from you guys has been so much more than from what I could have shown you. I think you guys show me how to be how to be a friend to other people, how to build relationships that are genuine and true with people in my ministry and then people I'm studying the Bible with. Because, I mean, that's just so key to have relationships, have people you can rely on, you can talk to. And so I just want to say thank you guys for that. That's, that's been a blessing. And then I just want to say thank you to the church as, a, as well, for, just for the opportunity. I mean... It's nothing short of a blessing to be able to come back, give, and to help people. So I think that's just been awesome. And I just want to encourage anybody, honestly, to, if they are, if they have the ability to spend some time in the team ministry or just with a teen in general, do it. I mean, you have the, it it takes a village to raise children. And so why not use the experiences, the mentors, the advice you've been given to give back and see the same thing for the kids of the future, for the people of the future. And so I just want to say thank you, and I just want to end out with a scripture. It's uh, Hebrews 6, verse 10. 
God is not unjust. He will, he will not forget your work and love, and love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Thank you, and uh, God bless. Well, we got a good one there. Must be, um, he must have a good mother. He must have a good mother. Does anybody, does anybody know the mother? We need more of her. We need five more of hers. Turn with me in your Bibles to uh, John chapter 14. Um, we were here when we planted the church a long time ago. It's 150 years ago when we planted the church here. And uh, one of the first guys baptized uh, is a very good friend of mine. And uh, it's just really great to have Mike visiting from Orange County today. And I just want to say hello to you, Mike, uh, famous Bruin, famous Bruin. And just love our old Bruins. The title of the sermon, title of the message today is My Ways, Highways, or His Ways. And we're in the middle of the series, the I Am series, the seven I Am's that Jesus uses in the book of John. I'm the bread, and last week um, we did I Am the Resurrection. And today we're going to talk about when he says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But I want us thinking about a couple of these thoughts before we get there, right? Proverbs 14 says there is a way that seems right to a person, but in the end leads to death, right? We can all relate to that. Frank Sinatra wrote a very famous song, and of course he keeps talking about, I did it my way. And that usually leads us to catastrophe. And that's okay. I mean, America, we're really into that. We're really independent. We want to have style. Brands have to separate and individuate and, and stand out from the crowd. I think we get that. I think we understand that. But I think there's a lot of wisdom and a lot of truth in this, of course. There is a way to seem, that seems right inside. There's a way that seems right. But in the end, it leads to death. And I want us thinking about that because we're all on a path. We all make a hundred decisions every day. And you know what? You're more than your personality. The sum of your life is a lot more about the decisions that you make. You're, you're more about your, the decisions that you make than you are your own personality. And these decisions that we make day in, day out, that's what really shapes our life. And I want you really reflecting, thinking, how do I make my decisions? What kind of path am I on? What kind of trajectory am I on? Uh, this is another passage I love. I think it says a lot about um, how we make our decisions today. Ecclesiastes 4, 4, Solomon says, And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. That's quite the statement. I want you to just think about that. All labor, all achievement spring from, you know, I wish I had what the Joneses had. I wish I were cooler. I wish I were, I wish I fit in more. I wish I had more of the world. Again, I think a passage we need to be thinking about. How much does this influence me? How much am I just on my own? How much am I just trying to keep up with the Joneses? 
All labor, all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. Now, read this with me in John chapter 14. I'm going to read the whole section. Remember, Jesus' sixth I am in the book of John. Verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, "Uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. What a great passage. I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's a way that seems right to a man. There's what all my neighbors are doing. And there's what Jesus is telling us to do. It's a way that seems right to a man. There's what all the neighbors are doing. And then there's Jesus showing us, giving us an example of another way. Now, when, we, when I went back to school and, um, you know, they teach you how to be a therapist and listen and do all these things. I thought there's a lot of wisdom in what Carl Jung said. Carl Jung, one of our famous, you know, grandfathers of psychology, said most problems... Most of your big problems can't be fixed. They can only be outgrown. Most of your big problems can't be fixed. They can only be outgrown. Now, we all know what it's like to experience some heart trouble. And to set this up, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. But we all know what it's like to have a troubled heart. Every single one of us has had some heart trouble this week. Some more than others. I had um, a man call me. It was a friend from the East Coast. And he lost his job two weeks ago. And he has three kids. He says, bro, what do I do? You know, I mean, I know you can't fix my problem, but what do I do? I got three kids And I don't have a job now. And I haven't even told my wife. I go, well, what what have you done so far? And he started crying. He goes, I called my insurance company because I've got this life, life insurance policy. And I asked whether or not there was a suicide clause in my insurance policy. Of course, they explained to him, no, two years, blah, blah, blah. I can't imagine this conversation. If I kill myself, what happens to my insurance and my kids? You're in a tough place if you're calling your insurance company and asking about your suicide clause. And I try and use a lot of humor to lighten because I think, you know, life's heavy. I'm like, bro, you sort of tip your hand with your question there. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I know, but I don't, you know, I don't know what to do. That's a troubled heart. That's a troubled heart. One of the first people, one of the first persons I saw was, uh, as a therapist, was a a 14-year-old girl who was cutting herself. 
And cutters have this troubled heart thing. Anxious and they want to hurt themselves and somehow hurting themselves is soothing. But it freaks everybody out. scares everybody. And she came in and I uh, said, hey, you know, grab a seat, sit down. Do you want to talk? No, I don't want to talk. I said, well, you're, you know, your mom called and she says you're having trouble. And what do you want to talk about? I don't want to talk about anything. I go, okay, well, you're making it hard for me because I'm supposed to be the listener here. <laughs> and you don't want to talk. Yeah, why don't you talk? I, go, I don't know. I don't, you don't want to listen to me. I don't have anything to say. I said, do you want to play Jenga? She goes, oh, yeah, I like Jenga. <laughs> You like granola bars? Yeah, I like granola bars. Okay, let's have some granola bars. And we spent an hour playing Jenga and eating granola bars. And then the hour's up and I go, oh, wow, okay. Hey, tell your mom, do me a favor, tell your mom you had a great time today. (laughs) And you want to come back. Because I had a good time. We ate granola bars and played Jenga. It was great. She's like, okay, all right. And right, what are you trying to do? You're trying to, you're trying to calm people down. Troubled hearts. We all have troubled hearts. Of course, the mom's heart was more troubled than the, than the daughter's heart. Like, it's okay. We'll figure it out. But we have 14-year-olds that have seriously troubled hearts. We have grown men that have seriously troubled hearts. Uh, our family, we've been watching um, this show on Netflix called um, Last Chance You. And it's about a junior college in the middle of Mississippi. And it is a school that recruits uh, highly talented athletes, football players, that have gotten into some sort of legal legal problem or school problem. They've flunked out of school or they've been arrested and they've been kicked out of Florida State or USC or wherever it might be. And they go to this junior college and they just kill everybody. Um, but the story is trying to watch, can these kids put their, their lives back together and get a scholarship and get back into Division I football? And one of the families, one of the brothers, two of the brothers that they focus on in season one are these great kids. They've been in and out of these foster homes. Their mom abandoned them. Their dad has been in jail. And the whole story, you're sort of holding your breath. Can they, can they work themselves out of this terrible um, beginning of their lives? Can they ever get out of this cycle of poverty? Can they ever get out of this cycle of... Will football provide a way for them out? And season one, they make it. And season two, it's looking good. We've got a scholarship offer for one of the brothers to Indiana, another one to Auburn. So they're going to go to Indiana and Auburn. It looks really good. Two weeks ago, the brothers were both arrested for murder. And it just takes your breath away. You go, gosh, they, they both, they're this close. They both achieved the thing that they've been trying to do the last two years. Get a scholarship to play football at a Division I school. Get your education. Maybe go to the NFL. And we don't know the story. I don't know why. There's some fight and knives and whatever, and they killed a guy. And it makes me, again, it just made me really think about, you know, you're on a path. And some of our paths aren't good paths. And some of those paths we inherit from mom and dad and grandpa and grandma and our, our cities and places. where. And some of them are our own choices. But you have to be able to recognize whether or not you're on a good path. 
And we've got to realize there are some spiritual answers, and this is one of life's great questions and challenges for us. Can I really change the direction of my life? And if I were to do that, where would I go? My way? Or like the Joneses? Or is there another way? My way? Highway? Or His way? Now, I want to say something quickly about us. You might be visiting with us today. We're with um, the International Churches of Christ. We're the West Side. It is great to have our region leaders here. Who are we? What are we? What are we? We didn't just, we didn't just birth ourselves 30 years ago. We've been around for a long time. We come out of the Restoration Movement. The Restoration Movement is a couple of hundred years old. And uh, a couple of men, Campbell and Stone, are these two men that said, during the Great Awakening period in America, all these churches are popping up all over the place, and they're all saying something different. You know, one week, you know, these guys start a church, and you got to do this, and then the next week, these guys start a church. It's called the Great Awakening. Hundreds of churches that just sort of popped up in the early 1800s. And, you know, we got a new church. You gotta stand on your head and spin around three times to be saved. Okay, we like that. We're joining that. But the restoration movement said, no, no, no. We gotta stop trying to reform the church and all these splinter churches. We gotta get back to that the word is the authority of God. We're not trying to reform the church. We're trying to restore the church. Amen? We're not trying to reform the church. We're trying to restore the church. Because God gave us a great model in the book of Acts. We don't need to try and create all these. we got a great model in the book of Acts. And we believe that salvation isn't just one passage in the Bible because there's lots of different passages that talk about salvation. There's a passage that says if you believe and are baptized, you'll be saved. And there's a passage that says if you repent and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. And there's a passage, John 3, if you believe, you're going to be saved. And we know that if you just are baptized, okay, then that's salvation. Paul tells Timothy that women are saved through childbirth. I don't know what that means for us guys. Um, but what are we trying to do? Hey, obviously, if you take all of these scriptures, it's going to make a constellation. And, and I think the obvious pattern here is that a person comes to some sort of belief and or faith in Jesus. That there's real repentance that I was on this path and I got to get on another path. Not my neighbor's path, but on Jesus' path. Amen? And that there's some sort of lordship decision, right? I'm not just trying to sign up for fire insurance to stay out of hell. I really believe in Jesus. He's Lord of my life. He's Lord of my time. He's Lord of my wallet. He's Lord of my dating relationship. He's Lord of my marriage. He's Lord of my car. He's Lord of my job. He's Lord of everything. Amen? And of course, we believe that baptism is essential. That that's the point in time. That's what baptism is to the Christian is what a wedding is uh, to a marriage. That's where we start. Amen. I was I wasn't saved. Now I'm saved. I was I was single and then I'm married. What happened? Oh, you had a wedding. Uh, same thing here. And that's why we really cherish um, this time to study the Bible with people that come uh, uh, to church and want to know more about this, and why we make such a big deal about the baptisms. They're really, really special. So that's who we are and what we are and what we're trying to do as a people. We're not brand new. Uh, this has been going on for a long time. And while that sounds, it's a great ideal, amen, uh, it's still run by people. 
And we're messy. We make a lot of mistakes. So we just need to be praying for God's Spirit to continue to lead us. Amen. We've got great truth in the Scripture, and we've got great people that we go to church with. And in all of that, we're going to be able to follow great ways forward. So I want you now thinking about your life. That's what we are collectively. But what about you and your path? We all have things in our path that aren't going well. And you usually know them. Why? How do you know them? Uh, Some sort of frustration. Some sort of frustration. If school's frustrating for you, you probably aren't getting good grades. Right? You talk to straight A students, they generally sort of like school. School's great. I don't know why everybody's complaining about school. I get straight A's. It's fun. Everybody likes me. People want to give me money. Grandma's always giving me $100 for an A. School's great. You talk to the people that hate school, they're usually not doing well. It's frustrating. Marriage can be frustrating. Parenting can be frustrating. We all have frustrations in our life. That's feedback where you go, I've got to take stock. Say, maybe it's my way. Maybe I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses. But there's something in Jesus' way that I am missing. And the I am is telling me to come follow him. So we sort of identify then with a lot of humility, take stock. Where am I going and what changes do I need to make? Look at this in uh, Psalm 25. I'm going to read this passage really fast. I've been reading this over and over this week and I just love this. Right. What do we really know about life? Um, A little bit what my dad taught me. Not much. A little bit what my mom taught me. uh, Don't get spanked. A little bit what school taught me. I don't know. What do I really know about life? Gosh, maybe not that much. Maybe I should be more humble. And Psalm 25 is great. Verse 4. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Boy, I want that. Guide me in your truth and teach me. You are God, my Savior and my hope. In you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love. That's got to be a great thing for us. Not my way, not the highways, His way. God, teach us your ways. And that's who we all want to be today. So we're going to go off in a few minutes, fellowship, get ready for some football. But I want to really challenge you. Where are you frustrated? Where are you hurting? Where are you weak? No more your ways. Give up. No more keeping up with the Joneses. Give up. They're not that happy anyway. We want Jesus' way in our life. Amen? How do I get more Jesus into my life? We think we want more blessings. And that's how a lot of our prayers go. God, give me more of this or less of that. And God doesn't do a lot of, okay, I'm going to give you a little more of this and a lot of less. less." No, He doesn't do a lot of that. He lets us stay in hardship often. Because that's when we change. I'm not going to fix this. How do I outgrow the thing? That's more what we're about. Now, when we're on this way, we're all going to run out of gas. I've been trying to be pure. I've been trying to be nice to my wife. I've been trying to be respectful to my husband. I've been trying to teach my kids. And I'm exhausted. I've been trying to stay out of sin. Now I'm really tired. Well, fuel, the fuel of this whole machine is grace. Grace is the thing that keeps the car going. So the car is going to, you might be on a good path, run out of juice, run out of gas, and you need some grace. And I love this, I love this quote from um, Annie Lamott. 
I do not understand the mystery of grace. Only that it meets us where we are. It meets us where we are. You're not alone. It meets us where we are and does not leave us where it found us. It moves us along the road. So we want to get on that path. Everybody's going to make mistakes. All the leaders are going to make mistakes. But we slow down, get a little help in our lives, get some grace, and then we get to move forward. Now, back to our passage in John 4, and I want to close out here. He says, you, you know the place where I'm going. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You know the place where I'm going. Maybe in your quiet time this week, go back and read maybe Revelation 5 or Revelation 21. Because we get this great picture into heaven. And in heaven, right, try and picture Jesus here telling the guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust me, follow the way. And then we get this great picture into heaven. And there's Jesus. And he's at the center of the throne. And all of heaven is sort of focused on on him. And he's the slain lamb. And, and, And there's all this worship that's coming up and out of heaven. And when the new Jerusalem comes down, we get this great image that from him is this incredible brilliance, this radiance that lights up all of heaven. That's what Jesus is doing and where he's showing us and where his way ends up. I trust that. I think we should all trust that and realize, hey, let's do less of me and less of them and more of Jesus and we'll go in a good place. God bless you. God bless the church. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.